0: Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's episode three of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. Hopefully you learn a lot today. I'm Brian Mayman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors, and I have with me again today across the table... The great Brian Martin, and on the other side, I should have said to my left, Brian Martin, and across the table, the great Brad Dana. So guys, I appreciate you being here today. I'm looking forward to this episode. We're going to talk about species. We're going to try to stay focused on North American species, but I don't think there's many with more understanding of worldwide species and the industry than you, Brian, and so I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you have some thoughts on this. And if you could give to the listener today, specifically your thoughts on species, and just maybe maybe you know some of the awards out there, or you know you were saying something before we got started today that made me go, "Holy smokes!" And so let's reference that.
1: Yeah. Um, so regarding species, a lot of people refer to the. Uh super slam you know back when chuck adams was one of the i believe the first one of the first bow hunters to go after at least publicly um they call it the north american 29 north american 30 as some of the species have been cut like right now we can't hunt quebec labrador caribou in quebec Um, and right now you can't import polar bears although it's a north american 29 animal so let's say if you want to shoot the north american 29 that seems like a lot of animals and it seems like living in the united states or canada The world revolves around this part of the world. Uh, Unfortunately, I I hate to tell you guys that less than 10% of the huntable species in the world are in North America. So if you are one of those guys that likes to travel and have big aspirations, I mean, of course, a country like Africa has the most species by far, but there's over 300 huntable species of animals in the world. I personally hunted with, guided with, and know hunters that have shot more than 320 to 340 species. Some of them have shot upwards of 40 sheep 35 to 40 different goat species in the world, and that's just goat and sheep species. Uh, Some places, some of these animals are not huntable because they either don't have enough numbers or the country doesn't allow it. Um, So when you put perspective in North America, most people have only a couple species in North America, let alone the world. So it's great to start in North America if that's where you're from. Um, There's some great values here. There's some animals here that aren't very good value. You can get basically the same sheep in Russia for less than half the price a stone sheep or a bighorn. So I think as you start to use a site and you start to look at different avenues for hunting and different um, species and different trips, um, just focusing strictly on no- North America is kind of being narrow-minded. I do deal with people that are afraid to travel, um, afraid to go to different parts of the world. I've been to a lot of different parts of the world and I can say probably driving to the airport, airport trying to text on your phone is probably more dangerous than a lot of the, the hunting tr- trips I've done. So I think you got to keep your eyes and, and ears uh, to the grind and uh, be open to traveling to different destinations. But of, of course, North America is awesome. It's where we all grew up hunting. Um, and it's, uh, there's, some, there's some great hunts here. But you have to be wise. Some of these hunts take years to draw or they take a lot of money. So, when you're and and a lot of planning, the nice thing about most international hunting is you don't have the draws, you don't have the applications, and it's a quota system. And if you want to go hunt three brown bear in one year in um, Russia, you can do that. If you want to go shoot two Marco Polo in Tajikistan, you can do that. You want to go shoot five Cape buffalo in Africa because you got a pancreatic cancer thing that says you're not going to be able to do another hunt, you're going to go for it. You can't do that in North America outside of Texas. So, that's what I love about hunting outside the U.S. You have a lot more options you don't have to plan as far in advance and um it's not saying it's more fun but it's different
0: right which which we're we're gonna talk about i really appreciate that because that gives a, a good perspective to us that have not traveled all over the world now, now myself personally i've been out of the country i've hunted out of the country but i've, I've never been to africa mm-hmm. but i have been to uh, the united states has a mini africa uh, you know mm-hmm. it's called Texas and there's a world of hunting opportunities down there and we offer those that world of hunting opportunities and that's an amazing opportunity and we love uh booking those and organizing those type of adventures but if uh when we talk about North America specifically i thought we'd kind of break it up today and yeah. maybe uh v- go, go ahead yes
1: yeah and 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 honestly and and i forgot to mention some of the awards you talked about so in North America the most Famous award is the North American 29, and they call that, like, the Super Slam. And then you actually have the Grand Slam, which is for the North American wild sheep. And then there are certain people that will do the Elk Slam, which is the Tule Elk, the Roosevelt Elk, and the Rocky. And then guys will get the Deer Slam and the caribou, right, Turkey, uh, and then the turkey slam, There's, which is not even a North American 29 animal. They're not big game. So when I'm talking, these animals, these are considered more big game animals. Right. Uh, a lynx is not included, a is a, a not included, a, a bobcat's not included. The only feline is the uh, the mountain lion or the cougar. Uh, all the bears are on the list, of course. Uh, the wolf wasn't on the list. I've heard they're gonna add it because one of the caribou came off so they can keep the North American 29. Uh, but when you start looking on the world market, you have the, um, the Weatherby Award, which they only give out one recipient every year. And that basically, in order to even be thought of in the qualifications, you have to have in excess of probably 270 species around the world. And most people that win it have between say 280 and 310. Um, and those are, that's a lot of animals. And then you have, you have the super slam of sheep, which is 12 sheep in the world. Then you have this, the, they call this capper 12, I believe. And then, the, and then you got the you got the Super 20, and you got the Super 30. Which personally, I'm not much of an awards guy. Um, the awards are good for business, they're good for outfitters around the world to get hunters. But sometimes I've seen hunters do things, um, you know, and and, and makes it so much of a goal oriented hunt that it sometimes takes the fun out of it. I've seen these huge checklists of guys trying to do in a short period of time, and um, I can't, I'm not, I'm not walking their shoes, so I can't say that they liked it or didn't, but I have a pretty good idea that the stress level associated with trying to accomplish some of these goals in a short period of time uh, does take some of the fun out of it. I've seen, I've seen that. It would be like if you, if you get to go swimming every day in the ocean, you don't appreciate it as much if you go a couple times a year. And when guys do hunting four to five months a year, and that's what some of these guys have to do to win those awards, um, it becomes a big checklist. I mean, you're talking 10, 12 international hunts a year, sometimes between three and 10 animals per hunt
0: they become more of a collector than, a, than, than, than an adventure.
1: You can't, I mean, I think we all have, just like if you have an airplane when you go hunting, the more you fly around the airplane, the less hiking you do. So you become more, you hunt with your airplane instead of you hunt with your feet. So like anything has some balance. And if you, um, if you don't keep that in perspective, I think you, people can lose the reasons sometimes why we go hunting.
2: I'm working on the North American, uh, the narrow-minded North American Two. board. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're working on North American too. He, he's he's. He's going to try to shoot a black bear to, and a whitetail. I want to shoot uh-huh.
2: a bunch of the same things over and over. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: well for, and you know what? It's funny you say that, but a lot of people feel that way. Uh, I, I know we have listeners right now that feel the same thing. They're like, hey, listen, that sounds awesome. That's great, 290. But you know what? I, I want to shoot six more whitetail and if I could ever kill an elk. I want to know, shoot a
1: whitetail 290 times.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. And a big one, 285 of those types. Right. But
1: I've seen, for example, let's take something that I know really well, I, I know, Ibex hunting. You know, let's say if a guy wants to shoot ibex every year, you're much cheaper to go to Kyrgyzstan or Tajikistan and shoot an eight or nine thousand dollar ibex, than if you go to some of these other countries where the ibex numbers are more limited, and you're going to be paying between fifteen and thirty thousand. Same with a sheep. Maybe you shoot a Kyrgyzstan Marco Polo for thirty, and you go hunt high Altai in Mongolia for one hundred and forty. So you can do a lot of Kyrgyzstan hunts, basically the same experience for about you know, well. I guess, one-tenth, one-twentieth the price, depending on what species you're going after. So that's a lot of different hunts that you can do. So some of these hunts, even though the animal's amazing, I said, well, would you rather hunt one time or would you rather hunt 10 times? So you have to look at your income, you have to look at your goals, how how long of a hunting career you're gonna have. And um, my recommendation on people is hunt more when you're younger, even if that means working a couple more years when you're older. I've seen a lot of people that try and save and, and retire young and don't go hunting, then they have some health issues, and then they're not able to go. They got the money, but they don't have the physical abilities. So my advice is to hunt while you're able, hunt while you're fit, and um, spread it out over the course of a longer lifetime. Instead of I, know, I have had clients that never started hunting internationally until they are 45, and they got lucky and they had great health in their 70s and 80s. But I've seen people, their health fails them when they're 55 or 60, and they didn't start until they're forty-five or fifty, and they had five good years. So I guess it depends on what your priorities are, but you have to look at that also.
0: I think it's all perspective too, because me personally, I would rather either spend some of my kids' as inheritance or work two years or three years longer. I I, I don't see retirement as uh, I don't uh, you know I didn't. It's not really a book in the Bible retirement. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like I'm worried about retirement. And my thought is, uh, since I've been a young guy, it's save and go on the adventure. And the adventure happened to be attached to a certain species that I was hunting. Does that make sense? And so I know my first, my first big game outside of the lower 48 for me personally was a caribou hunt. And I went to, uh, I went to Quebec, went to, drove to Montreal, stayed under, I didn't have enough money for a hotel when I got there. The planes were delayed a day, slept under my pickup. (laughs) And in the back of my pickup, got on the flight because that was paid for, went up, killed two caribou, amazing adventure. I was like 21 or 22, you know, and it it was crazy. It was just a crazy good time. And so there are still those species available in America to go do things like that. And I guess that—that's what I want to talk about today—is some of the valued species. So, w- what, what's your thoughts on that, Brad?
2: Well, the question is, how many falls do you have left? And it's, you know, and you can expand it. And hunt or do some of the hunts that brian does all. oh
0: falls f-a-l-l-s yes i I was i was thinking how many more i was thinking like you fall down the mountain all the time how many more of those you had left so that that was confusing okay yeah okay i got it seasons how many falls do you have left that's a good question for an old guy like you how many falls do you have left (laughs) do you hear that brian yeah Uh, yeah Uh, anyway go ahead brad what's what's
2: the species (laughs) well everybody's Number one species always seems to be the white tailed deer because they're everywhere. Um, But that's not mine. Um, I would say, uh, I would say the one species that are underappreciated and and, uh, not taken opportunity enough would be, and I don't even want to say this because that could screw things up and make more people want to do it, but it'd be the pronghorn, the antelope. No, absolutely. Because you can come out, it's easy. Um, you see tons of game. Easy to get a tag. Um, you can get a quality animal. You don't have to hunt for an 83 inch animal. And you can get a. There's a lot of mature antelope. Um, they're absolutely beautiful, and uh, you can do it. You could hit like where we live. You could hit a couple of states and do a four day trip and hit a couple of states, and you can get multiple tags. Oftentimes, it's subscribed, so that would be. A really neat starter. I, I love seeing. I love seeing our hunt
0: specialists, our adventure specialists, help people with that. And I, I want to. I, I just want to. I, I don't wanna know if I want to add to, not argue with what you're saying, but when you say a lot of people's number one species is whitetail, I would have to say, me personally, coming from east, growing up in the mecca of whitetail, right. Iowa, I would say my number one species wasn't a whitetail because I'd killed it. Right, I would say my number one species was an elk, antelope, or mule deer. And I had some buddies that came out west and went to the White River National Forest out of Craig, Colorado. So I was one of those 2,000 million Iowa boys that ran up the mountain. Grabbed your bow. Yeah, I I call them... uh, yeah.
2: Bucks with bows. Young Bucks
0: <laughs> with bows. Because I can't afford a rifle. I couldn't afford a. I couldn't right. afford a. So, but I could afford the gas and I had a bow. I could fling some arrows. So young Bucks with bows, right? And we run up the hill um, and go for that. But you're exactly right. Antelope would be the gateway to hunting out west. And, and I think the availability is amazing. The,
2: and I think the next transition is the young Bucks with the bows, grabbing an easy to get. Archery elk tag and going and stumbling around in the woods, oftentimes five or six years before they get a dry My experience bow and fling is it's
0: easier to kill an antelope with a bow than it is an elk with a bow. Would you agree?
2: Uh, you know, well, the, the thing about that is you, you yeah. can sit on a water source in a dry year. Even spot and stalk. Yeah.
0: Calling in an elk and killing a bull in. in an
1: antelope is easier.
0: You think so too? Yes. Yes.
1: The reason is there's three ways you can shoot an antelope besides um, shoot it, sit at a water hole. So you either have to know a rancher or have a public land area where there, you know you have to do a little research. You just don't put up a blind up and sit there the next day usually and shoot one. But if you put a little homework in, that the water hole is almost a guarantee. Um, the decoying is very. If you can shoot 50 yards, 40, 50 yards or more, the decoying is quite easy if you're hunting them in the rut. Now spotting and stalking an antelope, I would say. To kill a good one is harder than killing an elk with a bow, but I would say the waterhole and the and, and the um, decoying because there's lots of good videos on how to do it really easy. You don't have to be a skilled caller. A lot of elk hunters when I started had to use the diaphragm reed. It wasn't the there wasn't the reeds and everything that we have now. Um, and maybe
0: I'm a terrible elk hunter. But
1: I think it depends on where you hunt elk. I've hunted elk where. Literally, it will run your maybe, ass over. Maybe, maybe that's where it was. And then there's other places where they're really call-shy, and you hardly even call them. You basically locate them with a call, and you right. go ambush them. Right. And um, so, so I hunted
0: Colorado three years. Nada. First but, year out here, I spot and stalked an antelope. Third stalk, I killed a good antelope.
1: But probably physically, I mean, both of them can be fairly easy, but the elk physically is going to be harder. Right. I mean, but harder I, But actions. if you hunt a private land elk deal where they don't have much hunting pressure and, and they don't do many archery hunts and the bull ratio is really high, it is not difficult to kill. I mean, it's much yeah. easier to kill the six point bull the out.
2: The young buck with the bow, yeah. though, he's not hunting private land. He's hunting public, he's yeah. hunting national forest. Yeah. Even, he's, and he's, and he's even out up. here,
0: he's hunting walk-in. But I still think, I still think you're right. I think the uh, antelope is the best species. Now you said on the last podcast, something that I always forget about as, as a hunt specialist to our clients. I always forget about United States, Western,
1: black bear, spring black bear. And there's more opportunities for that than people know. Most of the states have them. Only a few states you can hunt them with the dogs, and only a few states you can hunt them with bait. Now back east you can hunt them more with bait. In Canada, most places you can hunt them with bait outside of British Columbia. So there's a lot of options for spring bear.
0: Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana, all three, we have great outfitters. For the yep. f- for you that are listening to this, that is affordable and it's very a great affordable. It's west, great Western, cheaper
1: hunt. than Canada. Although some of the hunts in Saskatchewan and Alberta are fairly affordable. Yes, uh, with the baiting. Although the baiting is more of, a, to me, it's more entertainment than actually is hunting. Uh, if you crawl or sit up in a tree yeah, stand, it's, 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 it's pretty sure. entertaining. Um, now, certain outfitters um, will really select and do. They'll do trail cameras. They'll know when the the big bears come in, and they're actually hunting specific bears. The average guy, though, is just shooting a nice bear. Right. And uh, a few outfitters are very selective, and they're typically more expensive. And they definitely manage their bears like somebody would manage their mule there, but that's rare. Most of the time, it's an opportunistic hunt. But, it, yeah, spring bear. But I, one thing about antelope that I love is um, I'm a very visual hunter, and I don't like hunting animals that I can only hunt like a half hour in the morning and a half hour at night, and the rest of the day I sit around and sleep. and. Good and, point. So antelope is a – if you can see it – And if there's daylight, you can hunt antelope. It's like Marco Polo hunting, it's like Ibex hunting, it's like doll sheep hunting, it's a a, a caribou hunting, you can hunt them all day long. You hunt mule deer, um, and they're not in the rut, and it's hot, it's a first light, last light. Some of your big elk, same thing, first light, last light, if you're not calling them and they're not rutting. Antelope, there's more than a million antelope in Wyoming, which is probably more than all the other states combined. So Wyoming is obviously the destination for antelope, but other states are good too. And if you're not trying to shoot, get drawn on the very best unit like Arizona or some of the New Mexico tags, you can you could literally hunt antelope every year. two, yeah. an, two antelope per people
2: in Wyoming then. Yeah, which which which
0: is <laughs> interesting to think about right now. So which is which is really good. The other species I personally think so. We got the black bear. We got the uh, antelope that's uh, um, that's undervalued. I got to tell you, there's a, there's a third one for me. Now, whitetail elk, mule deer, moose, all that stuff I get, okay? And then the, the extended draws, mountain goats, because c- c- we can help all you young listeners should be applying right now. You should be using our service to get your sheep and goat takes. I miss that. I want to choke myself some days. I'll choke um, you. Yeah. Yep, you're welcome. Um, so I'm not in the pool with you, because otherwise I'd be killing a bigger one, you'd be whining about it and all that crap, so we don't have to listen to that anymore. So anyway, but my, <laughs> my point is... Is What was my point? Oh, I know. North America has a free-range sheep that is absolutely affordable, and it's amazing. Amazing. And it's amazing, and it is one of the, my favorite hunts I've ever done, and it is Audad in Texas. Now, before you guys go off on it, because I want to hear your thoughts, there's also something else Texas has to offer. It has a plethora of hunting opportunities, with all these big game farms that's no different than Zimbabwe and some of these places because they have immense amount of- Without malaria. Without malaria. I'm telling you, I'm sold on my African experience being Texas right now with everything that's going on in the world. And I love Texas, God bless Texas. But uh, anyway- The closest African
1: country to Texas is Namibia as the most similar client to Texas. Namibia. yeah, The Kalahari in South Africa and the Namibia that's most like Texas.
0: so that, that's good perspective. I like it. But the Audad?
1: The Audad had, is tet- it's native to Africa, imported in, into Texas, just like the Himalayan tar was imported into New Zealand. And there's lots of animals that are imported into Texas, but it's one of the few that are really truly free-range in what we call southwest Texas. That's from, like, El Paso to Midland and, and that area there. And that's true desert. And typically the, a lot of the towns are Alpine, Marathon, you know, again, Midland, El Paso, and that country there— and the, um, there's a, in another city is Marfa. Uh, those areas have a lot of Audad. And then there's some canyon country way to the north. But the, you can also hunt Audad, free range, public land in New Mexico. Now, if you're on a budget and you are do it self-hunter, it's hard to get access to Texas unless you go guided. Most of these guys that have these big ranches, they are millionaires and or old time farmers and ranchers. And they don't want somebody they don't know. Uh, on their property. Running around. On the, yeah, on the, so you're gonna have to either go with an outfitter who sets it up and pays something. If you want to go truly hard ass, do it yourself, then you need to look at New Mexico and some of those areas. And there's some good areas there. There's also private land, uh, Audad hunts in New Mexico. New Mexico, Audad are a little smaller on average, but they can get some good ones. But it's not a North American 29 animal. It is um, an animal native to Africa that we can hunt free range here. The other animal you can hunt in the US.
0: works, right?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's, that's native to Africa. Uh, it's actually way cheaper to hunt them in Africa, though. If you're Africa and you're, you're going to mixed bag hunt in Namibia or parts of the western South, um, South Africa, it's much cheaper to shoot one there than it is in the U.S. In the U.S., you can get drawn for one of the tags on the public land in New Mexico, or you can buy a landowner tag and hunt with a rancher. Um, the other animal that people overlook is there's a few free-range mouflon and or Armenian red sheep in Texas, and there's also some free-range mouflon in Hawaii. And if you can do do it yourself or you can do, um, uh, you can also go guided and they're also not that expensive, much, much cheaper than the North American native species, which start at $20,000 and they should get drawn for a tag.
0: And with a little bit of planning, Hawaii, cause I know Lindley and I are going this fall, mm-hmm. you can do that, um, DIY or there's or concessions that you can do it guided.
1: And it's year round hunting, just like Texas. Yes.
0: And so, so and no you,
1: bag limits. Given depending that you have to pay for certain ones. Right. Um But yeah, there's really the no ha-
0: access and mouflon. Right.
1: Yeah, same in Texas. Texas does true have true free range access, especially in the hill country, which is like around Kerrville, um, not far, from, not too far from the biggest towns that are a few hours away, San Antonio, San Antonio and uh, and Austin.
0: Yep. So, and I've, I've been out there and I've seen that. So that, that, and that's, I guess that's what we really want you to understand is that North America has gained a lot of, I guess, over the last 10 years, these free ranging animals with Texas and Hawaii, there's species out there that are just, you know, I, I wouldn't have never even thought of it, but if you're looking for, a plan to get those our hunt plans absolutely uh phenomenal to help you and we have access to all that brian you've done a phenomenal job of establishing all those relationships those access and those uh, um you know those points of access and just all the information you need i mean
2: oddad's a must oh, man. i mean it's a it's a, it's first of all it's a winter hunt it's a, a barbary sheep uh, Audad, uh yeah So right over there, see the horns right there. So it's it's we we went in the dead of winter and it was eighty degrees in South Texas,
0: January February. I was, yeah, it was January 4th. Yeah, and and, and know, we but. killed some pickeries. Javelina. No, no, come on, let's picaries. go. Pickeries. Yeah, pickeries, thank you. Havelina. Yeah, those
2: are fun too. You would have killed oh, the whole oh.
0: herd. We need to take the gun away from
2: you. But anyway, that's... Yeah, the, you know what? I, yeah, I don't know why you do that. You always grab the gun when I'm getting in the mood. Um, <laughs> yeah, well,
1: the yeah, well, the, wonder, <laughs> the wonderful thing about Texas is you just get a five or six day license. 48 you, bucks. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we'll call it 50 bucks. Five, six days, you can, sh- I mean, depends on what the landowner, what your arrangements you have a landowner. You want to shoot one, two, three odd ad. You want to shoot some wild boars, unlimited wild boars. Now, they, they depending on the parts of Texas you're hunting in, they normally have a restriction of one or two javelinas during that time period. Yep. Um, but the, yeah, the odd is up to the discretion of the landowner. There is no legal hunting season for them. You just have to have permission. So he can give them to you or you can pay five or 10,000 apiece depending on what he wants to charge you for them. So you know, um, it's a, it's a free market. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's just like, like amazing. So we wanted to today specifically just give you some generalizations of species that were available and easily accessible. There, I believe personally, sometimes there's a misnomer, and and that that okay, elk, North elk America, are good. elk, big mule deer big white tail Good. that's it right and and i get that you know i've been blessed to kill some of those so you guys have been blessed to kill some giant animals but and or people think of billy goats or you know bighorns, and they're so expensive to go get i have to tell you i think that there's so much to offer with antelope those uh barbary sheep or whatever the uh barbary r- yeah. sheep you know the audad um the
1: axis, I, deer. axis deer uh the mouflon you know and two, two 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 other species that people overlook a lot is if you like hunting in the forest and a lot of guys from back east are good timber hunters blacktail hunting in the, in the west coast which is northern california oregon washington there's still a lot of hunts over the counter very easy to get drawn. You don't have to wait like years like you do mule deer tags. You don't have to, Most of it's public land hunting. Now, some places you're going to get poison oak or poison ivy, but there's some good blacktail hunting if you like to do that. You can you rattle them. You can sit in a tree stand. That's what I did when I went to OSU. Is I would hunt blacktails. I I didn't like it that much because I always got poison oak every time outside of Corrales, But some places are not as bad.
0: They have blacktails in Oklahoma.
1: Uh, no, Oregon State University. Oh, okay. Um. The other thing is, you got Sitka Blacktail. Sitka Blacktail are in a lot oh. of the islands in Alaska, including Kodiak, uh, Prince William. Um, uh, I can't remember all the islands that have, but that's very fairly inexpensive. Super good point, Alaska Sitka Blacktail. Our adventures and, to there are affordable,
0: and they get to and hunt also blackberry. And you can also hunt dear.
1: black bear in Alaska. Yes. So the same type of black bear you might hunt close to Vancouver Island and these coastal areas of BC, which are quite expensive, mandatory guiding. You can still go to Alaska and get dropped off. You can uh, rent, a, you know, rent a boat yourself. You can fly into areas and, and rent vehicles. There's lots of good places to hunt. If you want to hunt that pure black black bear, like they have in Alaska, um, you know, you can do it fairly inexpensively. So I would say the the two blacktail species are great, and the um, the black bears, of course, the antelope, the oddad, the mouflon, the axis deer. Those are all all hunts in that say two to seven thousand dollar range that you can do every year. And they're almost like
0: an exotic. And you don't you know have to saying? draw tags for them. Yeah. And, and you, I like that. And then the other thing is um, that I would add to that, alligators and hogs. Florida is its own little world also. And Louisiana has And them. Louisiana, yep. And we have alligator and hogs with those hunt plans. And and, the, and what I love about what we do is we make that accessible for all of you that are listening today. It's accessible. We, we can show you how to do that. I, I love taking people to these places and having them go, wow, I didn't know for that kind of money I could have a world-class adventure like that. And uh, with a little bit of planning, a little bit of strategy, and some help from us, we can make this all work out. We have the best uh, uh, adventure oh. specialists in the market, and uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited and the reason they're the best is because they have the best resource, and that's because of the uh, guys like you, Brad, and guys like you, Brian. So I really appreciate
1: it today. Two other animals I thought of. Yes. Also, coos deer. Archery in Arizona is fairly easy to get drawn for. And you also have a winter hunt and for a javelina. And if you don't want to get drawn and you just want to go have fun, um, Mexico, as far as a guided hunt, the um, the little coos deer in Mexico are, no, on average, bigger than Arizona less hunting pressure, and again, for that four to 5,000 R range, you can have a great hunt when nothing else is going on. Typically, the best hunting is in January and February. So that's another hunt to look at, and there's actually Audad in, a free-range Audad in Mexico that you can go hunting. So if you wanna go outside of the U.S. and stay close to home, go to Mexico, hunt a coos deer, hunt an Audad, and uh, don't break the bank.
0: So much hunting, so little time. And, and I know we talk about hunting the world, but part of that world's right here in America. And Brian, great job. Yes, you got one more thing. Oh,
1: yeah, one more thing. Of Coyotes course. and prairie dogs. Coyotes and prairie dogs. You want to get trigger time? You want to not miss your next Marco Polo sheep? You want to not miss, miss your nest, next uh, mule deer? Coyotes go do a lot of prairie dog coyote hunting pretty cheap. Uh, we can help arrange some of those hunts. so You can come out and knock on some doors, go hunt public land and do it for free. Um, but you can't, buy, you can't buy trigger time. And those are two animals that you should do a lot of hunting. If you live in a place where you didn't grow up with a gun in your hands, then I'd, I'd recommend those kind of trips. Shooting schools and coyote and prairie dog hunting.
0: So I think you're right, and uh, we'll, we'll help eliminate and eradicate all those that we can. I, I, you know what, guys, I really appreciate this. This is really good. And and you listening today, I w- I, we wanted to specifically give you something that broadened your horizons to stay right here in the United States with everything that's going on. There's a plethora of hunting. If you're if you're a personal member of ours. One of the things we will do when you call and say I want to go out west, I want to go hunting, we will tell you where those prairie dog towns are, and we can help you get on public land and let you know where they're at. Yes, one. And
1: we've got to talk about spring turkey and spring snow goose hunting.
0: Yes, Um and so we we are going to try to keep this to a half an hour. But, but you're those right. Don't,
1: those don't have four legs. Though. They
0: don't have four legs. They have two. But we but do also have also
1: very affordable. And we have, they
2: don't grow horns.
0: And, and we so. have an unlimited amount of opportunity. I guess more than anything. Folks, I want you to know that personally, we want to send an invite to go check us out at www.rollingbonesoutdoors.com. Rollingbones, anything's going to get you to Just us. Just do rollingbones.com okay. because yeah. you have
1: less r- yeah. room for error. Yeah. yeah.
0: Rollingbones.com. And a quick reminder Tuesdays and Fridays, 7 p.m. Central, Zoom. Go to zoom.com, zoom.com. Tuesdays and Fridays, You go to zoom.com at 7 p.m. central, and the number is 314-896-6854 three, one, four, eight, nine, six, six, eight, five, four. That'll get you on. We'll go through, we, we go through a, a, what do you would call it? A video presentation. Um, what's that called? slideshow. Slide Thank you. We go through a slideshow with an outfitter from somewhere in the world, a, a, a member that's hunted with us, show you what's available out there. We're always trying to give you more resources, more value, and make you a better hunter. We appreciate you listening today. Stay safe, be careful, and from us at Rolling Bones, Have a great week.